From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, thanks for tuning in, and uh, glad to have you on this edition of Washington Watch. Coming up on this Tuesday edition. We are gathering and fighting here for the abused and beaten, even killed religious minorities that even now are huddled in secret places yearning with all their heart to worship God as they believe they should. And is that too much to ask? It is not. I was former ambassador for international religious freedom, Sam Brownback, opening the 2023 session of the International Religious Freedom Summit. I joined Congressman Mike McCall of Texas and Congressman Jim McGovern of Massachusetts to discuss the importance of religious freedom in U.S. foreign policy during the opening session this morning. If I get time, I'll talk about it a little later. Well, also here in D.C., the Biden administration is saying they will lift the COVID emergency and relinquish their special powers, but not yet. And finally, because as the whip pointed out, we announced this last week, the White House yesterday finally said they will end these public health emergencies. The problem is the president said he's going to wait until May. Well, Mr. President, if you know it's the right thing to do, don't wait until May. Let's open our country back up again. Get our economy back up again. Uh, Let these families get their lives moving forward. That was Republican Majority Leader Steve Scalise earlier today. Now, the Biden administration is also reportedly considering declaring a reproductive health care emergency. We're going to get the latest from Kansas Senator Dr. Roger Marshall in just a moment. And despite the escalating terror attacks in Israel preceding his visit, Secretary of State Antony Blinken continued the Biden administration's push for a two-state solution in Israel. The United States is committed to working toward our enduring goal of ensuring that Palestinians and Israelis enjoy equal measures of freedom, security, opportunity, justice, and dignity. And it's President Biden's firm conviction that the only way to achieve that goal is through preserving and then realizing the vision of two states for two peoples. We'll talk with CBN Middle East Bureau Chief Chris Mitchell. He'll be joining us from Jerusalem. And a new documentary on Disney exposes their anti-family agenda. Disney's brand has been changed, has been altered. They've gotten very aggressive in the political space. Disney is no longer a trusted brand. It squandered that trust. Today, it's the anti-family network. It's the anti-family studio. The man behind the documentary, Bill Donahue with the Catholic Glee, joins me a little later on this edition of Washington Watch. As I mentioned yesterday in discussing the five Memphis, Memphis police officers charged in the death of Tyree Nichols, there are calls for reform, but only certain reforms. We as a nation deserve better. We should be able to build a coalition around the common ground of, yes, we need more training on de-escalation. Yes, we need more resources and training on the duty to intervene. Yes, we need more grants. And yes, we need the best wearing the badge. That was South Carolina Senator Tim Scott appealing for the Senate to move forward with common sense police reforms. I'm going to continue my conversation today on this topic. Georgia police officer Jacob Kersey who was suspended from the Port Wentworth Police Department because he shared his biblical views about marriage on Facebook, will join me here in studio. And we're going to ask ask and answer the question, could this purge of biblical morality from public service be fueling the incidents like that in Memphis? Wiley Thompson, former assistant director of the FBI, who also served as the second-in-command at the Broward County Sheriff's Department in Florida, joins me for that conversation. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you. Be sure and check it out. And a reminder, tomorrow morning is the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance here in our nation's capital at the Museum of the Bible. Join with members of Congress and Christian leaders from around the nation tomorrow morning as we intercede for America. To find out how you can join and be a part, go to PrayDC.org. That's PrayDC.org. Our word for today comes from Jeremiah 9. And like their bow, they have bent their tongues for lies. They are not valiant for the truth on the earth, for they proceed from evil to evil. Everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. They weary themselves to commit iniquity. They were not committed to the truth. They were not defenders of the truth. Rather, they were deceitful. 
Why? Well, verse 13 tells us, And the Lord said, Because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, nor walked according to it, but they have walked according to the dictates of their own hearts and after the idols. Our relationship with God, it shapes and directs our relationships with others. When a people have forsaken God, the truth, they will not be truthful with one another. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. President Biden informed Congress yesterday that he will end the nation's COVID-19 emergencies on May the 11th, more than three years after they were first declared and more than three months from today. The president's announcement comes as House Republicans have introduced bills to end the emergency declarations like right now. Now, did the White House see the handwriting on the wall and make this move to try and cut them off at the pass? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Senator Roger Marshall. He serves on four Senate committees, including the Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pension. He's a member of the GOP Doctors Caucus. He represents the state of Kansas, and I should note that he's delivered more than 5,000 babies in his time in medicine. Dr. Marshall, welcome back to the program. Tony, good to be with you. I, I got to add, I think it was easier to deliver those 5,000 babies than manage the relationships of 100 senators right now. Or so even I pass one piece this. of legislation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, speaking of that, though, you had success. Um, you know, the country, for the most part, everybody but Washington's returned to normal. In November, 62 senators passed your resolution to end the COVID-19 national state of, of emergency. Is it overdue for the White House to acknowledge that and move forward and relinquish this power that they've been holding on to? Well, well, Tony, they're, they're past overdue, and America knows this. Uh, you know, you, you can't fool Americans all, all the time. So America's waking up to realize that this president continues to lie. Uh, he uses this emergency as an excuse for more mandates to continue uh, giving people their absences from fun, from uh, paying off their school loans. So he uses it as power and, and control, and that's why he's been reluctant to give this up. But certainly 62 senators agreed with me over a month ago. And even, I guess it was two or three months ago, that Joe Biden himself right. said on national TV that this emergency was over as well. That was in September. He declared it was over. But now we have to wait till May for it to be over. But there are reports, and, and I've verified yet, but media reports that say that they're going to replace one emergency with another. And the Biden administration is considering declaring a reproductive health care emergency. What do you know about that? Well, Tony, I think it's, it's more than, than just a rumor. They, that's, this is their intentions. And what your listeners need to realize is that this is the most pro-abortion administration in the history of our country. And it is so hard for me to understand them and so hard for your listeners to understand where this administration has come from. You and I believe that life begins at conception, that life is sacred, uh, that we were, we were knit in our mother's womb before we were made. God knew who we were. But this president and his HHS secretary believe that abortion is part of health care, that abortion should be offered uh, with any type of family planning advice as well. So they want to make it as easy as possible to do abortions, including promoting their abortion drugs uh, over the counter. That's where their goal here. Their goal here is to get abortion drugs over the counter eventually. But Senator Marshall, isn't this a dangerous precedent, not just the subject matter itself, the fact that we're talking about abortion, but that they're taking a an issue that's, as you said, part of their political agenda and designating it as we would a natural disaster or other uh, threat like a pandemic. I mean, this begins to misuse the authority. And I think I think it's going to draw a strong reaction for from Americans for the misuse of government power. Right. So they're taking a Supreme Court decision and using that as to declare a public health emergency in order to promote their their pro-abortion agenda. Um, it, it is just, as the, the physician of me just says, oh, my gosh, <laughs> this drug uh, that they're that they want to make easy to pres- easier to prescribe, easier to access has significant complications uh, that go along with it. Um, and it, it, it is it is dangerous in so many ways, including from a health care standpoint, but certainly as a political standpoint as well. 
So what might be next for them to declare a public health emergency? You know, as you mentioned, this is the result of a Supreme Court decision. But if they don't get the policies they want on, let's say, gun control, that they would declare a, a, a public health emergency over uh, gun violence and exert, uh, exercise uh, additional powers there, could they do that? Well, well certainly... Tony, someone should argue, oh, but that's against the Constitution. But this president, this White House, over and over again have ignored the Constitution, and they buy themselves, you know, two or three years going through that process of, 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 the, of the laws going from one court to the next as well. So it is very much within uh, the realm of possibility. I would not underestimate them doing anything at this point in time. So, Senator, how should uh, our viewers, our listeners be responding to this, that this administration is is preparing to move forward with a declaration of a public health emergency over abortion? What should they do? Well, well, Tony, I, I think number one, of course, is to, to reach out to their own lawmakers, to their Congress members and to their senators. And then you know, it's fortunate that that a voice uh, like like you have in D.C. is also well heard as well. So they should be encouraging you and your team to go on the Hill as well, using your contacts to start leveraging them to push back on, them as, on this as well. I would say write a letter to the White House, but I think they would ignore it. So please start with your own legislatures, your own Congress members, your own senators. Well, we certainly will do that. And I know you, uh, you've you got to, to get moving. I've got some other commitments here. But I want to ask you a, another question. What else should we be looking for uh, in the uh, the coming days here in Washington? Yeah, that's a, a, good, a good question. Um, you know, this... They're, they're attacking us on the air, on the land, and the sea. So they're going to use school lunch programs to promote their transgender issue. Uh, you know, in the in the military, they're going to continue to use everything from a COVID vaccine to transgender issues to push their agenda there. So it's going to be coming out of the White House, all their rules, their regulations, and we sure uh, appreciate you all and in your services helping us keep our eye on it. And you know, they can sort of go to your listeners can go to marshall.senate.gov. But TonyPerkins.gov is another good place to help us keep an eye out for some of these things coming across out of the administration as well. Senator Roger Marshall, always great to talk with you and so grateful <laughs> for you and how the Lord's placed you there uh, at our nation's uh, really at the pinnacle of influence and trying to shape the way forward for our nation. So we're grateful for you. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, but Tony, and we look forward to your prayers tomorrow at the Museum of the Bible, another great place to visit when you're in D.C. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll be praying, and I'll be praying for you. And, folks, I want to encourage you to pray for Senator Marshall and, and so many other men and women of faith like him that are here in our nation's capital and serving here in a very difficult place because God called them, and for no other reason, but that God called them, and they're being faithful in their service uh, to them. And, and Dr. Marshall's a great, great example of that. So be, be praying for them and respond. It, it's, uh, by the way, uh, we got a lot of listeners in Kansas. Be great for you just to reach out and thank Senator Marshall uh, for not only coming on Washington Watch, but for his service and uh, being faithful in our nation's capital. All right, don't go away. On the other side of the break, we're going to go to Jerusalem and we're going to be joined by Chris Mitchell. As we get an update on Secretary of State Anthony Blinken's visit to Israel. That's coming up next on this edition of Washington Watch. Don't go away. A lot more straight ahead. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. 
First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that first by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose. Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back. Glad to have you on this Tuesday edition of Washington Watch. All right. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken landed in Israel yesterday on a previously scheduled tour that was kind of dealt a curveball due to the recent wave of violence in the region. Now, this occurs at a time when the newly reminted Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has retaken the reins of government. He's like the Energizer Bunny, just keeps on going. And he's, you know, he's working to establish a relationship with the Biden administration. But with some of the things the Biden administration is pushing, I think it's going to be a little difficult. Joining us now with a report on all the latest news from the Middle East is CBN News Middle East Bureau Chief Chris Mitchell. Chris, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to be with you, Tony. Good to see you, as always. Let me ask you this. With the recent violence in Israel, what is the the mood, generally speaking, in the country? Well, I think it's kind of somber right now, uh, Tony. You know, sometimes Israel is like a big family. So many people know somebody that was uh, killed in a terror attack or wounded. Uh, We were there in a place called Neve Yaakov on Sunday. Uh, to do a stand-up and a report on what happened last Friday. That's when seven uh, Israeli Jews were killed by a Palestinian gunman. Uh, tragically, uh, you know, even one couple that was part of those uh, seven that were killed, they heard the shots and they went out to uh, uh, see if they could help. And they conf- ran into the gunman and he, uh, he killed them. Uh, we talked to a uh, man named Avraham Levy. He's actually a teacher at the uh, at the synagogue and we asked him what he felt and he just said every our hearts are heavy uh because of what happened and uh and he mentioned one of the people that went down to help people and then he lost his life so i think a a fairly somber idea uh, of what's happening here because of these terror attacks not only friday night but then saturday at the city of david by a 13 year old palestinian boy now many thought that those incidents would kind of change Secretary Blinken's uh, message when he came there to uh, Jerusalem and to Israel, but it it doesn't seem like it did. He once again called for a two-state solution. Many thought he might, given the backdrop of this violence, not go there, but he did. Yeah, he did. He did when he was talking to, uh, at a press conference with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, and uh, did call for another two-state solution. I'm sure he brought that up when he went to Ramallah to meet with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. Uh, I think a lot of Israelis have moved on from a two-state solution, uh, given the fact that they don't feel like there's a real legitimate peace partner uh, on the other side. Uh, In fact, after the uh, massacre, as some people are calling it, on Friday night, there were celebrations 
in Janine, in Nablus, here in the eastern part of Jerusalem, uh, in Gaza. And they were having fireworks. They were passing out candies. And, and a lot of people wonder here, is this the kind of uh, state that we want here, living, quote, side by side in peace and security uh, with, uh, with Israel? So I think Tony Blinken and the uh, State Department may be going that way. Uh, but, but I think a lot of Israelis have moved on uh, feeling maybe we can manage the situation, but not necessarily make a, a, what some would say a terrorist state. It reminds me of the, what uh, former uh, U.S. Ambassador to Israel, David Friedman, said, you know, the definition of insanity is doing something over and over and expecting different results uh, in the State Department. They call that diplomacy. <laughs> well, you know, I haven't been to Israel since COVID, so I've not been back over, hope to get over soon. But in uh, my conversations and when I was making trips over into the eastern part of Israel, what some call the West Bank, you know, the Palestinian Authority was inciting a lot of this violence among young people. When you look at this young kid who went after and began shooting, trying to kill uh, Jewish people, you have to ask the question, what's behind that? Has the Palestinian Authority, has it reformed or is it still pushing and, and inciting this type of violence. I think it's still inciting, uh, Tony. In fact, we talked to Itamar Marcus. He's the director of the Palestinian Media Watch. We talked to him last night. Uh, he just came out recently with a book called Teaching Terror to Tots. And what the Fatah party, part of the Palestinian Authority, does is they have a, uh, have a, a small publication or publication to small children from ages 6 to 15. And in that, in that book, it chronicles how many uh, are encouraged to be shaheeds or martyrs, uh, that the uh, Jewish people have no right to the land. They, they're usurping it from the Palestinian people. Uh, so this is indoctrinating a generation. And I asked him, what, what would change the situation? He says, well, Israel can't change it, but the international community could. Uh, for example, the European Union and especially the United States with the Biden administration is putting in maybe two to three hundred million dollars into the Palestinian Authority. They do have leverage, uh, you know, financial leverage. There are, you know, rhetoric going back and forth that we're going to reform, we're going to change. But, uh, you know, it doesn't seem to make a difference. So uh, it would have to be, I think, the international community and uh, the United States in particular to try to make a difference and stop this kind of incitement, which really perpetuates uh, this Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Well, I, I don't foresee that happening anytime soon when you have the Biden administration kind of acting uh, hesitant to work with the Netanyahu-led government, saying they're too right-wing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was probably another thing on the agenda for uh, Antony Blinken today, was warning about the uh, this judicial reform that they're talking about and maybe some other policies in Judea and Samaria, uh, known as the West Bank, uh, so he did come, I think, with an agenda about concerns about what's really probably the most right-wing government in Israel's history. Yeah. Well, I wish we could have one of those, too. Um, final question for you. We've got about 30 seconds, but I always like to ask you whenever we get a chance to talk with you on the program, how can we be praying for the people of Israel here in the United States? Well, certainly pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray that, uh, you know, this, these terror attacks would be restrained. Uh, that people here would be safe, that wisdom for the uh, for the leaders here in the land, uh, how to respond to these. They have taken some uh, punitive measures after the uh, after the terror attack on on Friday and Saturday. Uh, great wisdom. And I think on the other side that, you know, there would be a, a perhaps a change of heart where, uh, you know, there could be a, uh, a genuine peace plan uh, of hearts of and minds of uh, Palestinians and Israelis. So I, I think that would be a great, some of the things that I think would be really important for people to be praying for. And it's biblical. We need to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Chris Mitchell, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Great to be with you, Tony. All right. And folks, we need to do that. We need to, we're never going to have perfect peace, not until the Prince of Peace comes and, uh, and reigns. But we can have managed peace and good policy will help bring that about. All right, coming up, a new documentary, Walt D Disney, His Disenchanted Kingdom. We talk about it next. Don't go away.
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. I'm sure many of you have fond memories of growing up watching Disney movies, Pinocchio, Steamboat Willie, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and of course the list can go on. But today's Walt Disney Company is a far cry from the one we grew up with. Most of Disney's shows today and their movies produced uh, in these modern times include woke and LGBT virtue signaling, while making sure to include trigger warnings for its older classic films. It's ludicrous. Well, a new documentary that just came out shines a light on the rot that Disney has been going through for a very long time. And I'm happy to have uh, been interviewed for the film. And joining me now to discuss this is the executive producer of the film, my good friend Bill Donahue. He's president and CEO of the Catholic League, League for Religious and Civil Rights. Bill, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Tony. Well, let me just start with this. What inspired you and the Catholic League to produce this Walt Disney's Disenchanted Kingdom? It goes back about a year ago when the whole country was talking about this attempt by Governor DeSantis from Florida to protect children by having a parental rights bill. Because there are people there in the legislature, they wanted to have a situation where kids in kindergarten, age of five, first grade, second grade, third grade, up to age eight, they wanted them to be introduced to matters sexual, which I call sexual engineering. They weren't just going to ask them about the birds and the bees, which is too early for that anyway. They were planting the idea in the kids' heads. The teacher was going to ask the kids, are you happy? Are you satisfied with being a boy or a girl? To think about that, because perhaps we can help you out in transitioning to the opposite sex. Now, Governor DeSantis did the right thing and said, no, we're not going to put up with this in the schools. And, and nobody should put up with it in any school. When Disney got involved, not on the side of the family on parental rights, but to submarine them, that's when I said enough is enough. And in fact, I'm proud to say that the first person I called uh, in this country was you. And I asked Tony, what are we going to do about this? Why don't I ask Bob Chapek, who at that point was the CEO, uh, will you sit down and talk with us? It was a very... Calm letter, was no, no incivility, no, no hyperbole, just very professionally. You listen to one side. Will you listen to our side? I'm a Catholic leader. Tony is an evangelical leader. We represent a good swath of the country. Well, they blew us off. And then we kicked around a number of ideas, and I think it was your idea. Why don't we consider even a, a documentary? And I pretty much took it from there. And then, of course, we have a star-studded cast and 
Jason Meath has done a magnificent job. Mercedes Schlapp is the host. But that was the, that was the cause. I mean, I, at that point, I said, listen, I can't put up with this any longer. We're not just talking about people who have mental problems getting transitioned from one sex to another, which, by the way, you can't do it anyhow. You can't change your chromosomes. That's fixed, all right? That's fixed by human nature. But they, they want to go after the little kids. As I pointed out in the movie, they just got off their tricycle, and now they're trying to sexually engineer them. That's when I decided we got to put the money up there, and I wanted this to be free. I emphasize with my board, nobody's going to pay for this. I want a wide distribution. So a couple of quick questions here. Um, what do you hope will be the outcome of this well-done, I've watched it, well-done documentary? Well, number one, it's a cultural marker. I want to get the word out to disseminate it to Christians and in, indeed to observant Jews, Muslims, Mormons, people of no faith. People are concerned about this has gone too far. Erica Anderson, first transgender psychiatrist, said, you know what? I was involved in this early on. I'm, I'm out of it. I'm done with it. It's gone too far. I also would like to persuade at least some of the shareholders and other people at Disney to say, wait a minute, maybe we have gone too far. Can we get back to our roots? Can we have a family-friendly friendly institution? Why are we trying to do this to kids? Uh, there, there are aspects of this movie, If the, when the viewers take a look at it, it's about 50 minutes long, so give yourself about an hour. Your head's going to spin uh, at certain points. But uh, it, it's, it's something that needs to be said. We have a nice cross-section of Americans there. I'm hoping, at the very least, Disney will tap the brakes and rethink this whole idea of going, going down the lane of the woke agenda. And it's documented. This is, in fact, in many cases, it's their own words. It's their own yes. material that you've just put together. And then you have people like Dr. Carson, uh, Brent Bozell, and others that are commenting on it. How can people watch this? Tell us how they can watch it. The, 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 the fastest way to do it, we don't cost you a nickel, just go to the Catholic League website. Now, uh, we just we had it up on YouTube for just over a week. It's gotten a tremendous response. YouTube just slapped an age distribution, an age restriction on us. So we went to Rumble. Uh, so you know, we're looking into what exactly is it. I looked at the five categories where they restrict, uh, put a restriction on age on the movies. We didn't violate any of their tenets, which sound reasonable on the face of them. So we'll see where we go with that. Yeah, uh, you, you did. Yeah, well, it, a correction, a correction, but you did violate it because you told the truth. Uh, <laughs> and, and you put the information out that that violates the terms of the left these days when you tell the truth. I couldn't agree more. And, and, and I want to punctuate that. That's what this is all about. A man can't become a woman. A woman can't become a man. We need to tell the truth and stop with fiction. You know what's driving this idea, Tony? And I'm sure you agree with me. These people don't believe in human nature. They don't believe in nature's God. They think everything is a social construct. No, let me tell you something. Human nature exists. God right. exists. And if you don't believe that, at least respect us, those That's of us right. who do. And there is such a thing as truth. And not everything is gender fluid. It's fixed. And that's what they're railing against, and that's what we're up against. Well, Bill Donahue, always great to work with you, and thanks so much for joining us today. Again, another job well done. Thank you. Thank you so much for your input, Tony. All right. Uh, Bill Donahue with the Catholic League, a great friend. Okay, you can check it out. Go to TonyPerkins.com and follow the links over. It's well worth watching. All right, coming up next, Jacob Kersey joins me, former police officer in Georgia who resigned for standing for marriage. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. 
With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of Washington Watch. Great to have you with us. Let me remind you, tomorrow morning will be the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance at the Museum of the Bible. Uh, You might not be able to get here to D.C. Weather's kind of actually prevented a lot of people from flying in, but you can still join us. To find out how, simply go to PrayDC.org. That's PrayDC.org, or go to TonyPerkins.com to find out more. Well, speaking of prayer, my next guest is going to be with us tomorrow morning. You, uh, You heard his story last week on Washington Watch, Jacob Kersey. He is a Georgia police officer who was forced to resign for professing a biblical view of marriage on his personal Facebook page. Now, Jacob's courage has been an inspiration to many, so I'm pleased to welcome him here to the studio in Washington. Jacob, welcome to Washington Watch. Tony, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I I imagine this has been kind of a whirlwind for you uh, since this first happened. Uh, How have you been doing? I'm blessed. Lord's really surrounded me with so many people, uh, not only in Georgia, but all over the nation. I even heard that this story was in the U.K. and Brazil. They've been reaching out and saying, hey, appreciate you taking a stand. Um, So the Lord's really surrounded me with a lot of support, um, and and I'm grateful for that. Okay, so I'm going to get to some updates with what's been happening there in Port Port Winsworth. But first, why why did you – you were given the option of – just being quiet about these personal beliefs and not saying anything else about it publicly, and you can have your job back. And you, and I, I relate to it. I was a police officer. I loved law enforcement. You've told me the same thing. Why did you say that you you couldn't agree to those terms? Well, I, you know, as a as a Christian, uh, I, I believe you know in, in the authority of Scripture, and I believe that Scripture clearly teaches that that marriage is supposed to be a picture image of Christ and His love for His His bride, His people, the church. And, and if you get a distorted view of marriage, you get a distorted view of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And and it is very clear biblical teaching that marriage is to be between a man and a woman. Um, and and I posted that on my Facebook page, and I have before. In fact, I've shared things that the Family Research Council has said about marriage. No one's complained. Um, but finally, someone after seven years of me having a podcast, they complained. Um, and my department told me that it was offensive to someone at the department and that I would need to remove it. And, and you know, this whole thing really boils down to, you know, well, can Christians be public servants? Right. Because we have these deeply held Christian beliefs 
um, like marriage between a man and a woman. And, and my department raised concerns that I couldn't be trusted because I'm a devout Christian and because I have those beliefs. They raised concerns that I would not be able to do my job. Those same beliefs inform you that every human being has value inherently because they're created in the image of God. And that then does that not direct how you treat people that you interact with on the street because you know that that person, regardless of what they've done, is another human being created in the image of God? Absolutely. I mean, and just Jesus, the way he treated people, even people he disagreed with um, vehemently. He, you know, he treated them with, with respect, but he didn't affirm people in right. their state of sin. He didn't say, well, you know what, it's, it's okay, you can continue living that way. But but they want you to check your faith at the doors. What I understand them saying is that, look, you can be a Christian, but not here. Absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're telling me that, you know, well, you, you can you can be a Christian on Sunday, but throughout the rest of the week when you're here. You but are, are you concerned about this, Jacob, when you look at what happened in Memphis, where you saw, I don't know if you've watched that video, and I, I know that most apartments now have body cameras and they're, they're covering these things. And, and the footage I watched came off the, the, the officer's own body cams. Um, that's disturbing. But I think that's what you get when you push morality out of public service. Right. And, and you know, I think there's been a push to, to say that, you know, there is no God for, for years and years. And, and, and that's that's the ripple effect. You know, if there is no God, then where do you get your standard of morality from? Yeah. And if you get your standard of morality from within, well, then you're going to do selfish things like beat up other people. Well, I think if we all realized that there is a, a, a God that sees everything, we wouldn't even have to be having conversations about body cameras because we would know we're accountable to one who doesn't miss a thing. There's been an update uh, in the city. The police chief um, has kind of conflicting reports. He resigned, but then he retired. Um, has this created some controversy back in Port Wentworth? Wentworth? I'm not sure exactly what's going on in Port Wentworth, but but I will say this. I am confident that his forced retirement, because that's what he said it was, is a direct result of, of what took place. I mean, he equated uh, my Christian beliefs to using the N-word. Yeah. So he equated a devout Christian to the same thing as, as a racist, and that's that's despicable. And I hope that there's more changes at that police department and at police departments across the nation. What have you heard from other police officers? Have you heard from, from any in Georgia or other places in the country? Absolutely. There's so many law enforcement officers, and not just retired law enforcement officers, but currently working in law enforcement who have told me, hey, you're doing the right thing, and you're an inspiration, and you're speaking for a lot of us. And that's the message we need to clearly send. This can never, ever happen to another officer again. And officers need to know that they can be Christian and hold these Christian beliefs and still serve their community. Final question for you, uh, Jacob. Knowing what you know now, what you've gone through, would you do it again? Absolutely. I, I You know, as many lives as I could give for Christ, as many job titles as I could give for Christ, whatever I can give for the kingdom, because that will last forever. How can our viewers and listeners be praying for you? Well, just pray that God uses this story to, to encourage people, that Christ gets all the glory, and that he's at the center of every step that I take from here on out. You know, I hope that the words that I speak, that it says God is speaking through me to encourage his body and, and to, you know, to those who are living in sin. You know, that there, there is a better way. Christ offers forgiveness, and he offers you new life. Jacob, uh, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for coming to, uh, to D.C. for the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance. But thank you for having the courage as a young man to, uh, to stand for what is true and what is right. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. Well, folks, I want to encourage you to pray for, for Jacob. I have no doubt, no doubt that the Lord has, uh, has plans for him. Um, because I know that the Lord is faithful, and when we are obedient to stand for him, as Jacob just articulated, the Lord will provide. Now, it may not be, he may not take us down the path we wanted to go or the path that we were planning, but I have found this out personally. My plan was never to be here in uh, in politics, and some of you know my story, even mentioned it yesterday, and my career in law enforcement ended abruptly for a very similar 
very similar scenario. Uh, but it was over the life issue. It was over the department that used excessive force against pro-life protesters, and I spoke out about it and was suspended and then said, well, we'll reinstate you if you promise not to say anything again about it. Same situation that Jacob had, and I, I, I can't do it. Well, the Lord will honor those who honor him. That's Scripture. It's Scripture. And so I want to challenge you. Some of you, I mean, this is a 19-year-old young man who had the courage to stand when he was pursuing a dream that he's had all his life to be a police officer. You know, we need to be standing. You know, there are some of you that have been around a long time, but you've never really stood for anything. It's time as believers and followers of Jesus Christ that that we stand. And I want to challenge you to do that. And I also want to challenge you. I'm going to have some information in the days ahead. We're kind of putting it all together. But the, the, uh, the leadership there in Port Wentworth needs to hear from America that this is unacceptable. And so uh, I guess I'll go ahead and put them on notice. They're going to hear from us. And, uh, and I'm hoping you will help us make sure they hear us. I want to continue this conversation because, as I, as I mentioned with Jacob, I'm very concerned about the moral vacuum that is being created by exactly what he said of trying to remove Christianity from public service or Christians from public service. Now, imagine for just a moment where that would leave America. I don't think you have to think too hard because I think where it would leave you is incidents like what we saw last week, or at least we saw the video of it last Friday in Memphis, Tennessee. Well, joining me now to uh, to talk about this and, and more about the standards of law enforcement and what this lack of morality could do is Wiley Thompson. He's a former assistant director at the FBI, and he was also second in command at the fourth largest sheriff's office in the United States at Broward County, where he was responsible for 6,000 employees. Uh, Wiley, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. Uh, you and I have actually had a conversation about uh, the disturbing video out of Memphis. I mean, you and I both, having been in law enforcement, slow to uh, draw conclusions based upon, uh, you know, one side of information. But again, this was body camera, multiple shots. No justification for what we saw out of there. None whatsoever. I, I watched the video and it was very difficult for me to do. Uh, I, I saw no justification for that. And it's very unfortunate, and it's going to be a setback for the law enforcement profession uh, because uh, the way the public looks at law enforcement already, and uh, the, the, they will believe that all police officers and deputy sheriffs and all are like that, but that's not the case at all. You're absolutely right. I'm pro-law enforcement. I should have said that earlier. I continue to be involved in law enforcement, very pro-law enforcement, um, and it is unfortunate that this is going to put uh, cast a, uh, you know, a very bad light on law enforcement. But I think we need to look at it. You heard Jacob's story. You're saying this as well, where there is this um, really this effort to keep Christians or at least people who would express their faith out of positions of public service. Are you not concerned you know, having been in law enforcement for a long time, you've seen the types of folks and, and the power that they have and how it can be abused. Are you not concerned that without a moral foundation, this thing could go south pretty quick? I am very concerned, Tony. And you look at the police agencies around America, and many of them are understaffed right now, are looking to recruit young men and women, yeah. and they are desperate for getting people. We want young people like Jacob. Officer Kersey, he's the type of character that we want because of his beliefs, his moral foundation. Right. And someday that young man could become a leader in the law enforcement profession. If you call 911, he's the one you want to come to your right. home because he's going to take a, a good moral stance on everything and do the right thing because he has biblical, biblical beliefs. Well, you mentioned um, the standards. In, in fact, what... What happened in Memphis is because of the short. They're 500 officers short, so they've reduced the standards twice. First, their educational requirements, and then their physical requirements. Yes. And in, in fact, uh, two of these five officers, I'm not mistaken, actually had uh, uh, charges had been convicted previously of uh, some abuse charges, and so now the department 
is even offering waivers for people who have been convicted of felony charges. That is absolutely nonsense, and it always ends in a disaster. There are many other agencies who have tried this over the past 30 years and have failed. And the same thing is happening in Memphis. We want young people who meet the current standards. Now, we need to be objective. We need to occasionally look at those standards to make sure they're still applicable. But we certainly don't want to change them for political reasons right. uh, because we want diversity, racial diversity, or anything like that. We want people with good character, moral character, even if it means we need to run short for a while in law enforcement until we can find those people. And we need to encourage our young people in our churches and in our homes to look at public service, to look at being a firefighter or a police officer, right. uh, to, to look at that as a potential uh, career and occupation to be able to serve the Lord in that capacity. Yeah. I mean, I predicted this back in 2020 that when the defund the police movement and the left started beating on the police for what happened in Minneapolis, that it was going to drive good men and women away from the law enforcement yes. community. And so department after department, you started having early retirements. Every department head that I've spoken to are having, they're having difficulty recruiting. And so this would result in lowering of the standards bringing in individuals that would only make the situation worse. Memphis is a prime example of that. That is correct. And so we need to lean in. We need to lean in as adults, as parents, as, as uh, mentors, and people who have influence in our communities and our sphere of influence, and to be able to, to encourage these young people to look at public service as an opportunity for them to serve and to minister unto the Lord. But we first have to make sure that those in charge in those agencies will not discriminate against men and women of faith and require them to check their faith at the door in order to serve. That is correct, because they are accountable to us. Right. Those men and women are accountable. Because to us. as long as they have that position, then they're not going to get those men and women. Our military is facing the same situation with this yes. woke agenda in the military. They cannot meet their recruiting numbers because men and women of faith, of real faith, want to live out their faith. And, and Tony, as you know now, there's a trend of law enforcement agencies, the HR department, actually going online to look at our social media. So they actually are scanning social media before they even invite the recruit to come in for an interview. Yeah. I mean, it is possible now with this new law that was passed, the Marriage Act, for them to be able to discriminate against a candidate simply because of something they've said that was a biblical basis for for what they said uh, about marriage, and to be able to, to to be able to discriminate against them. We don't want that. So we need to hold them accountable, and we need to press forward. I would like to see this young man, Jake, rehired and to be able to go back into that department. Someday he could be a leader. Wiley, we've got to leave it there. Always great to talk with you. Thanks for being with us. You're welcome. And, folks, thank you for being with us as well. And remember, stand by. I'm going to have more for you in the days ahead. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.